Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley. In this episode, we're chatting with Michael Petrie, game designer, developer, and co-founder of Pendry Games with his wife, Christina. Their first game, On the Rocks, was successfully funded through Kickstarter and will be fulfilling in the coming months. Michael, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing? I'm doing great, James. Thank you so much for having me today. It is uh, awesome to have you. I got this is a cool game. Uh, I, I'm very excited when I got the chance to uh, have you come on this show. Um, certainly, with the reviewers that have talked about the game, uh, everyone just absolutely loves this, this marble kind of dice draft. It's like a marble drafting, not dice drafting. It's a marble drafting game. Um, I just want to go through some numbers really quickly for our listeners. So. Uh, you did fund, uh, you hit, uh, I think over $30,000 with 663 backers. So I want right. to congratulate you on that. That is, uh, quite an accomplishment. I know it's, uh, kind of that breath of fresh air you have when you cross the, uh, the finish line. So how are you guys feeling about that? Oh man, it was, it was amazing. Uh, it just all the hard work that was placed into the game, two years of play testing, uh, development, and then all the artwork that was involved and to f- finally see something that we put so much effort into to actually succeed and fund it was it was one of the happiest days of our lives it was uh, that's all i could say but yeah it was it was worth every minute all the stress they have to deal with as a publisher as a designer to get to that point it's all worth it and hopefully you know there'll be many more to come Oh, I know it's an addictive uh, hobby. That's for sure. Once you do <laughs> one, you don't stop. It's like, okay, when's the next game coming? So now it's, it's a game about mixology. So are, like, are you a mixologist? Or do you have like a bartending background or? I personally do not have a bartending background as a, okay. yeah. So the whole story happened is uh, my wife, her coworker actually was going to school for bartending and we were, my wife and I were actually working on a couple designs at that point. Uh, nothing that was still, it's still on the, they're still on the shelf. There's nothing to move forward with, but we got, she got an idea from her coworker actually being a bartender. I'm like, Hey, there's, there's a good idea in this game or in this concept. So we just started developing it day by day. We tried something new. The next day, my wife came home with a couple cards with marbles on, on like these player boards. And so we started figuring out how's this game going to start to work. And bit by bit, we found different mechanics and we're able to develop it to the game that it is today. And that's pretty much where it all came from. Just the main concept came from my wife's co-worker started school and that's where it all, you know, the, it started from. So have you been playing games like your whole life? Is this like, has it always been a passion like games in general, just from like a player standpoint or? Um, games. Yeah. Well, board games, I, I grew up playing board games. Let's start off with chess with my father, checkers, monopoly, all the games, all kids always grew up with us. Um, my wife was the same way. She was really hardcore into Porcheesy. But then after that, there was a long board games for many years, especially with Nintendo coming out as a kid, uh, Sega Genesis. I became a video gamer and yeah. just played it all the way into, what, my 20s, early 30s. And then we, ha- we decided to get married. Uh, my wife and I, we got engaged. And then at that point, we started looking, hey, we need to save money for our wedding at this point. So we need to find something to you know occupy our time instead of going out to the restaurants and going to the movies all the time. We decided to go into find some board games to you know to start playing. So we picked up Pandemic. Um, what else did we pick up? Um, uh, Ticket to Ride, and I forgot what the other one was. At the so moment. a lot of Euro style type games. You got now. Was this more just to play it at home, or was this to play like have friends over or go to meetups, or was it just the two of you playing the games, or how did that kind of come about? 
Well, it was really just for us at, at this point. We had yeah. no clue what we were getting ourselves into at that at that moment. Yeah. Because as you can see behind me, it's becoming an addiction. And I yeah. I love to collect games. We love to sit down and have friends come over. And we love just to meet new people all the time. Um, but first, it was, it was just meant to start helping save money for our wedding. But now it's growing into something so much more. We've met so many amazing people um, just at the different board game groups, different board game meetups here in Philadelphia. Um, then we ended up deci deciding to design our own game. Uh, my wife herself, she's a, back, she's a graphic designer. My okay. background's in architecture, so we both love the arts. So this is what we went into, and we decided that, hey, we, we probably could do something here and continued on doing what we were doing. Now, did Christina, did she do the artwork as well? or She did all the graphic design work, all the artwork for the game. So everything okay. you wow. see, all the cards, the player boards, instruction booklet, the cover. The only thing that she did not design was the character that's on the box. Got that it. was actually designed by Manny Tremley from Dice, Dice Throne. Okay. Um, yeah, so he created that character for us, um, and we got it on the, the box. For so what inspired you to actually take that leap, right, of going to Kickstarter? Because there's one thing to create a game, and there's a lot mm -hmm. of people out there that have said, you know, I love board games. I want to, you know, create my own game. And with Game Crafter and all these different mm -hmm. services, they can create kind of their one copy to have yeah. something tangible in front of them that looks professional. They can play with their mm -hmm. friends and family and so forth. But take it to the next step, right, of actually saying, no, I think I'm going to try to get this game to other people. And I'm going to try to learn to do something I've never done before, which is launch a board game and publish a game. Yeah. What, what led you to that step? Um, <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> yeah. So first, I, like, I mean, I, I was back in Kickstarters already um, before okay. that for about two, three years. And um, I felt that the concept that we had for our game, we could probably get up there because originally we did want to just make a game for us and our family. Yeah. But we felt that the game was good enough for Kickstarter. And then that's where we started getting more involved with the community, being a part of multiple Facebook groups and just chatting with people over and over again about different concepts, uh, different mechanics, um, what, what they love about board games. And just the entire, you know, the entire community, community that brought us in and showed us all this love, we felt like we needed to bring something to them. And that's where we decided to choose to go down that Kickstarter path and try to be even more involved in the community than what we were just being a board game, a board game player. Nice. Now you're also part of a, uh, a unique club, right? Of uh, people who have launched Kickstarters. Yes. Didn't hit their objectives, either didn't, uh, didn't fund or pulled. I think in your case, you guys actually canceled it, right? Yes. Um, and then launched again and then like dusted themselves off, right? Cause it's, it's a huge blow to, to, mm -hmm. to miss it. Dust themselves off, come back at it and then fund successfully. Um, walk us through what you think, you know, what kind of um, things you thought led to that initial, um, I hate using the word failure, but in this case, I guess the, you know, failure to meet your, your mm -hmm. objectives. Yeah. I mean, I'm not worried. Failure, first thing is don't allow failure to affect you at all. Cause there's going to be times that you fall down on your face. Just got to yep. get back up. Um, but with that original camp, with the original campaign, we launched it in July. And the problem with that launch is that when we launched it, we went up against some heavy hitters, um, especially a first-time publisher, um, I wouldn't recommend launching in July because a lot of major companies launch their games in July, early August. Then we ran right into Gen Con as well. So then that also affected where you have a, a large uh, con where individuals are actually purchasing their games directly at a convention instead of spending money on Kickstarter. So that, unless you're somebody who's big already at this point, we never had a following. So it kind of affected us at that point, even though we, I felt that we did very well for our very first time oh, yeah. coming very close to then we may have still made it, 
but I felt that we 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 still had lessons learned already at that point that it was yeah. better just to pull the campaign and cancel at the moment and then uh, make some adjustments to go back into it again in October, which so we did. What were some of the adjustments you made? Um, at that time, I was able to w work with a different manufacturer to try to get pricing down for manufacturing. Um, we worked around with different materials, so it allowed me a, a chance to talk to this manufacturer and see what best materials we could use to keep the price down at that point. And we were able to drop the price down from on Kickstarter uh, by an additional five dollars. Well, we originally we came in, I think, at fifty, and then uh, then the second time we were, we were able to launch it at forty-five. So that allowed us to bring the price down and and bring the weight down, which brought brought shipping prices down as well. And did it also bring your overall target down too? Because I noticed that your uh, initial funding goal and then the current funding goal, there's almost like a ten thousand dollar difference, right? Like there's was it eight thousand? There's, there's a substantial difference between what you guys had, I think, on your first campaign and then now. So you're able to take some sure. of those you know, more efficient costing yes. and kind of work that into your, your targets, I guess. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It yeah. allowed us to make it the game at a better price and still come in with just as high quality components. The only thing that changed was going from, well, one of the major things was going from a glass marble, which is very heavy mm -hmm. and is pretty pricey to make to uh, acrylic marble, which I feel actually looks, <laughs> they look amazing compared to the original glass marbles that we're going to go with. Yeah, and as well as they're lighter. So that that definitely helped out by being able just to go around and work with different manufacturers to figure out what will work best at that point. I think it's interesting, right? Because you get a lot of, um, you know, I think the challenge a lot of, uh, you know, developers get into and mm -hmm. publishers is you want to create the best product possible. It's true. And you got to balance um, things like cost, right? And sometimes having the, you know, the all the best, highest quality ingredients and put as much as you can in the box it's easy to lose sight of kind of the repercussions of that, right? And weight, shipping weight is a massive repercussion of that. There is a huge difference between having a, for instance, a one kilo shipping, uh, a product weighs one kilo and a product that weighs 1.1 kilos. Because guess what? They round up to like 1.5, right? When they're doing their shipping. So um, you got to be really, really mindful of the weight. So it's kind of yeah. cool. Uh, I never even thought, entered my mind about going from glass marbles to acrylic. That's right. You would save huge on the actual uh, weight. Um, there was uh, one of your reviewers, I think, that was saying um, they were so impressed <laughs> with all the quality components. The guy literally said, uh, this is a great game. I, I hope they can afford it. <laughs> I hope they can afford it. Was this something that you guys ran into with your campaign, like in terms of cost? Like I know that you've you've got your retails and everything worked out, but did it all work out for you guys at the end when you kind of worked through all the costing structures and so forth? Yeah, it did. Um, it, it, we were able to get it into a price point that we we needed to to be able to get it on Kickstarter for that price, um, as well as as you know that the higher quality you purchase, the less the less expensive it is per copy. So we were able to print a, a run of two thousand instead of doing a run of a thousand. So by changing, making those adjustments, it allowed us to actually print a thousand more copies um, for, you know, to be able to get out into distribution afterwards. So the, <laughs> it's a big difference. So it's, it's nice. So, so now we'll be able to have a thousand extra copies that many people can play around the world instead of so, just the original people. And are you going to do uh, like your own like um, e-commerce store or through Amazon or how, how are you going to use do the extra copies? Uh, well, we're going to have a few copies that will be selling through Amazon, but mm -hmm. we actually have a co-publisher with 25th Century Game and Chad Elkins. Nice. So we're, we signed with them, and then we're going to be going through distribution under their under their title. Wow. Well, congratulations on but, that. Thank you.
I want to actually talk about the game itself. So I'm going to share my screen for the people who are watching this live. We'll be as descriptive as we can for those that are listening. Um, But take us through the game itself, because it's such a clever idea, um, this kind of marble drafting. Can you kind of just explain generally how the game works? And again, try to use as much descriptive language as possible. Yeah, so originally, so all the players are going to have their own uh, player board, as you can see right there on the screen. And then they'll also have three to four recipe cards that they need to complete. Um, each card has uh, uh, marbles or colors assigned to them. And what an individual is going to do is be rolling a dice. Based off of that number is how many marbles are going to be drafting out of their shaker bag. So once they pull that n- number of marbles out, they're going to place those in those circular uh, cups, which we call the jigger bowls. There's mm-hmm. a circular pattern. So you're going to place them. And you're going to do that your, at, based off of where you want. You're going to place them around those marbles, look at uh, whatever is going to benefit you, and then you have to select one of those cups for yourself. So you're actually filling up some of those other marbles for the other players. So you want to make sure that you don't provide them uh, too many marbles that may benefit them. Um, so there is some strategy right there involved just by those placement. But after you select that, that cup, you're going to be adding those marbles to your player board based off of the requirements on those cards that you have for your recipes. And then once those recipes are completed, you flip them over and then you gain, uh, you gain a tip card for each one of those. Um, so you're going to be playing that for three rounds. Um, and then also the tips that you receive, they also have either a bonus uh, points for, for the end of the game or mm-hmm. they have a player ability. So if it's your choice, if you decide that you want to use those abilities to affect other players, uh, so there's a little bit of take that. So you could affect other players or you could benefit yourself. Um, you have to give up that, those victory points to try to get a little bit further ahead in the game um, to try to close the game out and block other players from being able to complete all their orders before all three rounds are up and somebody calls last call. And what are some of the ways you can kind of impact the other players? Can you like spoil their drinks or? Correct. There's, there's one where it's called, uh, oh, sorry, brain dead at the moment. Maybe um, even anger their customers or anything like that. Or <laughs> Yeah. There's one that can actually, you can actually stop a player from being able to select all the marbles out of their cup that they select. And they only can select two marbles. So yeah. that, that hinders them a little bit. So now you're forcing them to have to play a card themselves to try to catch up. So now you're trying to force other players to use their tips to keep up in the game with you. Um, other ones is you, there's a couple uh, spill, there's the spill marbles, um, which, which will cause a player to actually spill a drink where you can actually have them remove some of the marbles off of their board. There's like two or three that you can remove from one drink. So it slows them down from being able to complete that gym faster than, than they could or faster than you could uh, before the end of the game. So there's, there's a little bit of take that to it. But most people try to avoid playing with the take that the take that in the game. Yeah, I like. I, I'm a big fan of Euro style games, and um, I mean, you look at a game like Azul, right? Where mm-hmm. you're, you're playing your own game. Technically, you can try to take that against other players. I always yeah. find I do best when I'm actually just focused on my own card, not worrying mm-hmm. about what other people are doing. So, yeah. um, now the the actual components. So the I think I saw an, an image at one point where the board, like your player board, folded up like a menu. Is that still <laughs> the case? Yeah. It looks it looks just like this. So you have the board, it looks like a menu, and then when you open it up, it's the player board. Yeah, then there's a little everything. Cool. Yeah, so it's a dual layer board, so you place the marbles directly in them. So if the if it gets hit by the table, they're not just gonna fly off, yeah. as of course. And then there's a little area so some individuals can't hold all the marbles in the hand. So we have a space there where they can place them in and then mm-hmm. organize them the way they want. Um I, I'd yeah. say from what I've seen, um, it, it, the quality of the materials is, is clearly something was top of mind for you guys. 
Um, th- those dual layer boards are beautiful. I like the fact that the, your individual boards, so each player has their own board, it does look like a menu. Like, so it's it's pulling you into the the theme, right? Into the environment, which I think is, which is really, really cool. Um, now in, in this campaign, what I thought was kind of interesting was some of the pledge levels you had. So you had one that was like $500 and any game you ever release from now to the end of time is free yeah. from this point forward. Correct. What were you thinking? <laughs> Well, I mean, those are people who believe in us and feel that we may be able to do it, make it for the long run, which we're trying to do. And we yeah. were able to get eight backers for that pledge level. And I appreciate every single one of them. And then from here on out, I will make sure that they get the deluxe level of any game we make. And I will ship it to them and make sure that they get it because they were there to support us from the very beginning and get us off the ground. Because without them, we may never have hit our goal in the first place. So yeah. I appreciate everything they did. And Giving eight copies away over the, you know, over how many games we make, I'm fine with that. But I appreciate them actually being here from the very beginning and trusting us with such a level like that. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I haven't seen anything like that before. Uh, that was uh, it. it kind of caught me off guard a little bit, but yeah, I mean, if somebody pledges that, like four campaigns in, and they're uh, they're starting to get a nice return on that, right? So correct, that could work in their favor. And then the other one you had was like a hundred dollar pledge. You can design your own kind of drink uh, card. Now, does that go to everybody, or does that just go to that individual as part of their kit? That actually that becomes a part of our promo pack. Um, so in the game, we had signature cards that were designed based off of other Kickstarter king campaigns or other games that we love. So you'll see there's there's that set of cards. Mm-hmm. And then the promo cards or those additional promo cards, um, those will be added into the pack. So we have a pack of almost 40 cards, which all our Kickstarters will get. Um, so those, that was a Kickstarter exclusive, exclusive. but okay. you're able to still get that during the convention or on our website. Um, but once those, are, once those are, are sold out, then we're done with them at that point. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but it was it was a great process. My wife actually worked with every single one of those individuals and actually tailored their card to the way they wanted it to look. Yeah, Daryl Andrews in the in the lobby listening, and he's giving you a shout out for having Bosk in the background. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great game, man. Yeah, yeah. So you got Chai. We interviewed the Kazmires yeah. as well. That, that brings oh, me to a him. point. I I thought it was really cool on your Kickstarter page. You scroll down to the, near the bottom. You have this. Thanks, uh, special thanks to the following companies. And you've got a list of game companies that, mm-hmm. that, that you thank. Walk me through kind of, you know, why? What, where's the thanking coming from? Were these people that helped you in development? Were these advisory board? What, what led to that? That's a, a lot. Um, so all those companies that you do see on there are cards that we made a special card, signature card for each one of those single companies in the game. So you'll see a card that's designed based off of one of their games. Um, But almost every single one of those individuals have met something important to us since we got into kicks, like came into the community. I was able to reach out to every one of the the owners and they just have been such a wealth of knowledge. And actually, they all became mentors to me and my wife and have helped us walk us through this entire process, even to this point now with handling shipping, handling fulfillment. Um, I became friends with almost every one of these individuals and yeah. and any other designer out there, the, everybody's out there to help you. So please reach out. There's Everybody's willing to help you and try to get you to your goals. So don't think that we're here for a competition against each other. We're all here to make each other better and try to get further along in, in this, in this community, community of ours and hobby that we love. 
I think Chandler Copenhaver, who from CrowdOx, who I see you guys are using as well, he's got his term he always coins, which is coopetition, which I absolutely love. You have all these competitors uh, cooperating, yeah. which is kind of cool. Um, and can you talk a little bit about CrowdOx? So use CrowdOx as your as as your kind of pledge manager. Yes. Um, did you were you able to tap into any of their marketing tools at all uh, during this campaign? Or they they were able to help out. Um, they put a couple bla- uh, like email blasts out for our campaign, mm-hmm. um, which did help. And yeah, without them, we wouldn't probably wouldn't have made it been made our goal either. So, like I said, making these connections early on and becoming friends with everybody, you'll have it'll, it'll help benefit you to reach your goal in the long run. Yeah, that advisory board is so so important, and you know, I you can really tell the difference between a campaign where someone's trying to go with the loan and, and yeah. think, ah, oh, you know, I, I can figure it out, and ones that really truly say, you know what, I'm actually going to reach as deep as I can into the community. Uh, mm-hmm. both with uh, the people that like to play, but also other developers and try to get, you know, the, the best advice, right. On, on how can I, uh, what are some of the pitfalls that they've already gone through that I can learn from it and avoid myself? What are some of the pitfalls you would say that you could pass on to others that, uh, that you, you, you've gone through two campaigns now, some mm-hmm. things that you would say to others that they should consider or maybe avoid. Um, I would, I would make sure that you get involved with the community don't feel that you could just go on Kickstarter and think it's going to just that people are just going to find your name because yeah. they're not just going to find your game. Kickstarter is not going to put your game right at the top. You need to be involved right away um, and talk about your game even once a week on different uh, Kickstarter or uh, Facebook groups. Um, you need your social media active. You need to be involved. If other people want you to play tester games and get online um, on Tabletopia or, or, um, or any of the other online uh, programs, make sure you get involved and help other designers out to get to them. Because in the long run, those the, those other designers you helped will help you and um, purchase your game and help you get to your goal as well. It may not be 100%, but even if it's only 10% of those individuals, mm-hmm. that's 10% of people that you didn't have previously. So I would always recommend that you continue to get involved in the community um, and reach out to individuals who know more than you do because there's always somebody out there that knows more than you and can do something a little bit better. Oh yeah. Tabletopia, was that a major component for you guys in, in helping you kind of spread the word on this game before you, uh, before you did your campaign? Oh, it did. It helped. I mean, cause it allowed me to sit down with individuals who lived in Canada where I could actually sit down and just walk them through the game and teach them about the game uh, instead of them just watching reviews to be able to actually access the game and play it bit by bit and understand the rules. It, it became, it's such a useful tool. So if you're able to get any of your games online, make sure you get them on there because it's only a tool that's going to help you sell your game. How'd you get it on Tabletopia for those uh, out there looking to say, Oh gosh, that's a good idea. How would I, how would they approach that? Oh, you can go on Tabletopia and do it for free. It's you just go on there and start playing around with the tools. It's a little bit harder um, then you uh, and then you also have the other one, which is um, tabletop uh, simulators. Another one, tabletop simulator. Yeah, those those type of programs will help you, and it's the easiest way to get your game play tested right now while we're dealing with COVID and and having and having to be stuck at home most of the time. Yeah, and I want to say that there's entire Facebook groups mm-hmm. that are and Discord channels entirely dedicated towards play testing. Right. Very so if there's true. anybody out there that says, "Gosh, I can't find somebody to play test." There are thousands and there's literally dozens of groups that are dedicated towards whether if if you have a solo version of your game and you want to get solo uh, version, uh, solo people to to try it or just regular people just want to, you know, maybe developers. There's another one, you know, that that Joe Slack runs one where the board game designers uh, group 
And he's got a bunch of people who are designers that will actually mm-hmm. go and play test your game and they want to give you feedback and help you make your game the best you can. So uh, there's lots of resources out there for people to, to use. So what do you have coming next? Like what's, I know you've got a, um, an expansion of this game you've, you started working on, which probably yes. not, I don't, but I think it's not quite ready yet. Right. So there's other games that are going to be coming first or. Yeah, we have a, we have a card game called Pirates Bluff. Um, it's a bluffing game where you're pretty much trying to collect the most uh, treasure by the end of the game by knocking out other pirates out. But um, so once you play your cards each round, if any numbers actually match, those those characters will actually knock each other out. So a lower number will have the opportunity to walk away with the treasure on that on that round. So it's it's a quick it's a quick simple family party game. That was something we wanted to come out with because we love being able to interact with our family members, my wife's parents, my parents. Just something simple. Individuals who who really don't like to sit down for a good forty five to, to an hour. They, they sure. like those quick games. So we want to make sure yeah. we have something there that we could get involved with our family. Another game we'll work on is a, a large monster game uh, dealing with kaiju, um, like Godzilla, yeah. King Kong. And that game is being designed by Ben Moy. Uh, so we actually signed him. And so we, we signed this game under our label. And we're looking to bring that to Kickstarter probably in 2022. Um, so, but that game has been in developed for about eight months now. So it's, it's moving along and it's, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the art to being finished for that game. So that's one I'm really excited about and Pirates Bluff, of course. So Pirates Bluff comes first. When are you launching the Pirates Bluff? Uh, we have, we don't have an estimated date at the moment, but it should probably be by end of the year. Um, but okay. at this moment, we don't have a, 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 a set date at the moment. Is this a game you guys designed yourself or how did you come up with this, this uh, Pirates Bluff game? Oh, Pirates Bluff, yeah, that was a game that my wife and I designed together. Um, we just, again, we just wanted to make a card game. We we love card games and simple quick games to the table. So we have a few of those in our pocket at the moment, but this is our first one that we're going to actually come out with. Wow. And so when you said you, you've signed somebody else's game on, are you guys looking at getting into publishing now, uh, straight up publishing? Is that kind of the goal of your company uh, to, to get to that point or? Yeah, so uh, we will, because we want to continue being involved. We don't want our name just to be forgotten about with that one Kickstarter game. And we feel that being able to bring up other designers on and help develop their game to feel like it falls under our our titles. Um, so yeah, we pretty much want to go into publishing and be able to bring on other designers underneath our flag. And how'd you find this one with Ben White? It was a, a, just a connection you guys had and you start chatting or was it actually a formal kind of process you went through of a submission or? It, yeah, it was, it was just one of those situations where you sat down and play test as a friend game. Like I was we brought up earlier. And I fell in love with the game. I felt it had a very good bones to it right off the bat, a great base. And I felt that we could develop it together to bring it to the point where it's at right now. And it's a game I love, and I can't wait to start talking to you about it later on once we, we get to that point. Are and you guys taking, ever... sorry, I was going to say, are you taking submissions for other games? Like if there's designers out there right now that listen to this podcast are saying, gosh, you know what? I love designing games. I think I got a killer game. Publishing's not my bag. Do they reach out to you in that case or? Yeah, yeah, please. If you have anything you want to submit to us, send it to pentrygames at gmail.com and I'll gladly sit, sit down and look at it. And then we'll sit down. And if you have it online, we can sit down and play test it together. That's not a problem. Wow, that's uh, pretty amazing. I know there's a lot of people to be pretty, uh, just be careful. You might start getting a bunch of emails on that, right? Because I know there's there's more designers out there than there are games that are currently on Kickstarter. So there is a, uh, a, a fire hose of talent that can come your way. So if somebody wants to kind of follow your ongoing journey, right? Yeah. So uh, one is to pentry at games at gmail.com if they want to uh, submit a game or an idea to you, but if they just want to follow along, right? If they want to kind of see these games come together, you mentioned you have the social media accounts and so forth. Um, how best do they do that? 
Yeah, so pretty much it's Pentry Games across the board. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you'll be able to find us there. Uh, you can also find us on Discord. We have a small channel where we just started up recently. Um, and if you ever just want to reach out to me, just talk. Michael Petra, Michael Petra on Facebook, just direct message me, and we could chat. I'm always there to talk. I love talking about games, talking about life. I uh, love talking about family. So um, I, I love to talk. So if you just want to just reach out, I'm here for you. Well, what a warm community we have here, I tell you. Michael, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I want to wish you and your wife and your family all the best in this new year, and I can't wait to see these new games coming up. Well, thank you so much, James, for having us. You take having care. Me. <laughs> Cheers. See you. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. Thank you.